Yeah, again, I think for me, it's sort of just taking taking the result out of it. You know, there's always going to be a reason why you want to do something beyond the result you're picturing in your head, you know, whether it's your passion or you want to help your community or you want to learn new skills or just grow as a person. If you take the result that you're aiming for out of that, it seems a lot more approachable. And, you know, it's just really sort of investing in that journey because I guarantee you're going to learn so much more in the journey than you're going to achieve from getting the medal, you know, or getting yeah. the, the dream business or whatever it is. You know, it's been several weeks, well, months now since the Paralympics and the medal doesn't mean half as much as everything that I've learned in that process. You know, mm. um, if I didn't win a medal, I think I would still be, you know, very happy with that experience and, and what it's given me. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, balancers, and welcome back to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. This is my first time recording and streaming to you live from Dubai. So exciting times. The move went well. We took the first week to really just be tourists and do whatever we wanted to do and kind of have an exploring type of week. So that was really nice to sort of unwind, almost have like a little holiday. But this second week we've taken to find a bit of a new routine, which is fun. As somebody that is an extremely routine driven person, it's a little bit uncomfortable from being honest, not having that normality, but it's also very exciting to be able to rewrite a morning routine, reconsider my non-negotiables and my habits in the morning and in the afternoon and see how they're a little bit different here. So because I don't have a lot of my support network around me who I would spend a lot of my time during my week with, I do have a lot of extra time, which has really put me in this position where I can now ask myself, what do I actually want to do with my spare time? And as a lot of you know, I've recently transitioned out of being a corporate lawyer. And so this podcast and my e-commerce business was something I was doing in my spare time. But now that they take up my nine to five, shall we say, I have uh, you know that spare time to fill plus all the time that I would have spent with other people, at least until I meet some new friends here. So we live very close to a beach. So I have been doing a lot more daily ocean swims, which has been really nice. And the water here is actually slightly warmer because it's not really open water. It's more of like a, a sea, a gulf which I personally quite like. It's not hot enough yet that it's like that uncomfortable and not refreshing. I've been told it does get there, but for the moment it is quite lovely. Um, I'll be sure to keep updating you guys, but if anyone wants to follow along the journey, you can link up with me on my personal Instagram, which is at Erica D Pell. I'll put a link in the show notes as well, Um, but that's just a little life update from me. Now on to today's guest, I had the pleasure of interviewing the lovely Robin Lambert on Becoming a Paralympian, The Power of Visualization and All Things Diversity. So Robin is a digital creator, as you guessed it, a Paralympian who competed and went all the way to Tokyo 2020 and also a lover of all things vintage. Today, Robin opens up about the journey of becoming a Paralympian and what mindset it took to compete at such a high level especially from somebody who, as mentioned in the podcast, was just doing sport for the love of it, not really thinking about a long-term career in it. Robin also shares the power of visualization within that process, which I found really incredible to listen to and think it has something really nice to offer for all of us to think about about how we could potentially use it in our own lives. And probably my favorite part of today's chat was our discussion about how to really let go of the result as a way to take pressure off achieving 
and really help you enjoy the process. So if you're somebody who gets stuck, really just headlights focused on that end goal and you find you really just want to rush or fast forward where you're at in life, you're going to really love this part of today's chat. Lastly, there's a little segment about why diversity is our biggest teacher and how we can become more inclusive and educate ourselves within the different spaces that Robin is involved in. I know you guys are going to love today's chat. Feel free to send it to two of your friends that you think will also love it. And you can connect with Robin more on Instagram. I've popped the handle in the show notes below. That's it from me, guys. Let's dive straight in. Alrighty, Balancers. This week, I'm joined by the lovely Robin Lambert. It's so lovely to have you on the show today. A big warm welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> me too. Me too. So you're over in WA, is that right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> How's life on the West Coast of Australia? Honestly, it, it's pretty good. Like, thankfully, we haven't been affected too much by the, the whole COVID situation. So life's pretty much normal other than the fact that we, we can't leave yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, soon, soon. <laughs> Lucky you've got, uh, you're taking up quite a bit of territory over there. So you can, yeah. you've got a couple options <laughs> exactly. of where you can go and what you can do. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So could you share a little bit about, uh, I know that's probably a lot of people listening, potentially already following you on socials, or maybe they've come across, you know, you in some of your races before and whatnot, but can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So primarily um, I'm an athlete, a para-athlete, wheelchair sprinter. I uh, just went off to the Tokyo Paralympics and won a bronze there, which was uh, amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> Cheers. And then on the side, um, doing a little bit of content creation and um, advocacy as a person with a disability and, and as a queer person. Amazing. And we're definitely going to go into um, that a little bit further in a moment. I want to know, though, going through school, uh, what did you want to do when you finished school? Was it a clear path for you? Was it something that sort of eventuated as time went on? Yeah, no, I think it was completely by accident. I think when I was younger, I wanted to be an archaeologist or something like that, which is completely different from what I'm doing Interesting. now. Um, yeah, but I kind of just fell fell into the whole sport thing. Come from a fairly sporty background. My dad was a um, professional MMA fighter <laughs> um, and my mom was into cross country and scouts and all that thing. So I've always been active um, growing up, but got involved in sport really to connect with my community and just to have a bit more of a social um outing I guess um yeah and then yeah just sort of fell into track and there was obviously a bit of potential there and things have just unfolded as, as time's gone on so amazing and um I think I remember reading in one of your previous interviews you were correct me if I'm wrong I think you're playing basketball and someone said hey like you've got incredible talent you should take this further was it yeah. basketball or was it another sport yeah yeah, so I played a bit of wheelchair basketball, which I loved. Um, it was, you know, great fun with the team and stuff. But yeah, I got called up for a come and try day for athletics. And and from there, I guess, I don't know how my coach saw potential in me. I, I look back at videos of when I first started. I'm like, what was she seeing? <laughs> um, um, but luckily, you know, it did work out in the end. And yeah, I sort of got hooked on athletics and just that individual pursuit, the different sort of mindset around, um, yeah, an individual sport over a team sport, but still playing a little bit of wheelchair rugby and stuff on the side as well, just to keep things interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in complete awe. Like the coordination required to <laughs> play in para sports would just be phenomenal. So you must have incredible yeah. coordination. Um, oh, it's, speaking... not, it's an ongoing battle, but yeah. <laughs> it gets there. <laughs> well, least, yeah, you'd be constantly strengthening that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. So speaking of mindset, I know you just brought that up. So I know you've competed in Paralympic Games, which is incredible. Obviously, mm -hmm. you just mentioned you took home a bronze as well. So aside from the physical 
training obviously required no doubt to get there can you talk to me a little bit about the mindset involved so obviously from what you've even been saying and and we never see our own potential right but obviously a coach saw potential in you and at some point would have said hey you should go to the uh, Paralympic Games talk to me about that moment and I guess the journey after that and what what had to happen to your mindset to get you there yeah I guess like like most people um, when I first started in my athletic journey, I was solely focused on the physical side of things, just getting stronger. And um, that that was fairly easy, to be honest. Like, you know, you get your routine and you get your program. And as long as you're following that, like minus little setbacks, like injuries and stuff, that, that kind of just builds as you, as you progress. The hard sure. thing for me really was the mindset because I came from a team sport where you've got, you know, a whole group of people around you to sort of amp you up for competition and to support you through that to going to an individual spot, not only where I was, I was sort of like competing to win my own, you know, medals and things like that, but just spending a majority of a season training alone, competing alone to then be thrown into a competition with like the world's best athletes. Like it was so hard to develop that mindset. So in the prep to Tokyo, that was like a majority of our work was done to sort of just be able to have that confidence to be able to back yourself and then also to be able to deal with the the uncertainties that come with yeah. you know athletics whether that's the weather or your equipment I had some issues in world champs in um, 2019 I went into that comp ranked third in the world and was sort of expecting grand things on my debut and then had some equi- uh, equipment issues in my warm-up so that completely threw me off but I guess that was a really good building block towards Tokyo to just be able to stick to the process and be able to push a good race no matter like what the circumstances are yeah and I think that's a really great metaphor like if you pull that out of racing and your you know direct yeah. experience like you know life's going to throw different hurdles at you and you need to be able to just stay clear to your path and yeah. be able to kind of push through there's going to be challenges but you know just be focused on that end goal but talk to yeah. me a little bit about did you have any specific techniques or tools during that time to help with that mindset because I mean I know a lot of people listening have heard uh, us talk on the podcast before about something called imposter syndrome, which is really like an extreme version yeah. of self-doubt where you think like, am I good enough to be here? Like, mm. am I as good as other people on that comparisonitis? Like, did yeah. you sort of have any like physical techniques like meditation or journaling or anything you can share that really helped you curate that mindset, yeah, so the I mean, mental like, side? Yeah, exactly. With that imposter syndrome, definitely struggled with that. I was quite comfortable sort of going in as the underdog and then just like pleasantly surprising everyone. But as soon as those like expectations were thrown on me, you know, you're now ranked third in the world. We're expecting big things. Like I really struggled with that. So I did a lot of work with um, my sports psychologist who, you know, previously awesome. I was sort of a bit blase about the whole psychology thing. I was like, nah, I just need to be, you know, strong. Um, but that's really where we've seen the benefits and just things like visualization, um, you know, like the night before my race, I'll imagine a situation or, you know, recreate a situation in my mind where I've been super confident, whether that's related to athletics or not, doesn't really matter, awesome. but I can take, take that feeling into the race. And I think in Tokyo was the first time I really sort of nailed that. Um, my dad's a coach. So he actually took me through a visualization, uh, the night before my race, which was, it was, yeah, it was pretty special sort of lying in my cardboard bed in Tokyo, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> you know making my dad my dad making me feel super confident and then just sort of also um taking away the result from the situation you know um because I think we focus so much on on performance and and winning medals and things like that especially when it comes to sport but at the end of the day that's not why I started the sport I started the sport because I loved it I loved being able to push myself and, and being the best version of myself that I could be and I loved the platform that it gave me to connect with my community and, and all of those things so 
when I got to Tokyo, I was really at peace with the fact with, you know, I've done everything I can like physically and mentally to win a medal, but if that doesn't happen, it's still, you know, an awesome experience to be here. And it still gives me so much opportunity from here as well. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes we just need to sort of step away from, you know, what we think our ideal goals are and just see the bigger picture as well. Yeah. I think there's so much power in surrendering, especially once you've done the work. Yeah. I think even, yeah. even if you just go through day-to-day life and, you know, you're trying to build something or you're trying, you're working towards something, you, we, we mm. so easily beat ourselves up and think we haven't done enough all the time, yeah. but it really does get to that point where you're like, you can sit there and beat yourself up. We can surrender and be like, Hey, I've done what I can. And the result exactly. doesn't even matter at that point. It's like, you're not chasing yeah. the thing. It's the, um, yeah. I love, I love the concept. And, and it's really just what you just said. It's finding the beauty in the journey. Cause that's where you're growing. Yeah. And that's where you're changing. And whether you win or not, doesn't change your journey, your growth process. Exactly. It's kind of just like yeah. a cherry on top when you think about it. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think that's really beautiful. And I think a nice sort of, th- uh, you know, runoff question to this. I think a lot of people listening may have goals. Uh, at the start of the year, we spoke a lot about goal setting, right? And, yeah. and that could be to to go to the Olympics. It could be something as simple as just starting a side business or getting a promotion in their job, right? But they may hesitate to do that because of that self-doubt or that imposter syndrome. Mm. And they are focused on the outcome, like you were saying. Mm. Is there anything you would say to people really wanting to get started or any tips you could arm them with from your own experience to kind of combat that hesitation? Yeah, again, I think for me, it's sort of just taking taking the result out of it. You know, there's always going to be a reason why you want to do something beyond the result you're picturing in your head, you know, whether it's your passion or you want to help your community or you want to learn new skills or just grow as a person. If you take the result that you're aiming for out of that, it seems a lot more approachable. And, you know, it's just really sort of investing in that journey because I guarantee you're going to learn so much more in the journey than you're going to achieve from getting the medal, you know, or getting the dream business or whatever it is you know it's been several weeks well, months now since the Paralympics and the medal doesn't mean half as much as everything that I've learned in that process you know mm-hmm. um, if I didn't win a medal I think I would still be you know very happy with that experience and, and what it's given me so I think yeah, yeah especially me like I, I sort of I struggled with doing anything that I didn't feel like I was good at so it didn't really give me the opportunity to develop new skills because I was always yeah. focusing on the, the things that I was good at so it's just sort of being yeah, not putting the pressure on yourself to be awesome at everything straight away and to just really lean into that process. No, I love that too. And it's almost like it's what emphasis you place on the medal, right? If the if you getting yeah. the medal means you've done a good job and you've had a great journey, then of course you're going to feel mm. like that disappointment and the nerves about getting it or not. But if yeah. you remove the medal and say, you know, that's just a physical acknowledgement. Same if you're like going for a job promotion, right? And you don't get yeah. it. If you've done all the work and you've grown as a person, that's yeah. sort of like somebody else's opinion on whether you've grown or not, but it doesn't change yeah. what you've learned and your process. So exactly. um, yeah, I, yeah, I think there's definitely like a universal way to look at everything you've just said in your journey there. Um, I'd love to ask you a little bit about diversity now. So as, um, yeah. you know, at, through the work you do through your life experiences, and I know you're involved also in the, in the queer community. Can you talk to me a little bit about what diversity means to you? And I know you believe it's such a great teacher. I certainly do as well. Um, mm. I'd love for you to share, I guess, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I just, I always think, you know, the more voices you have in the room, the greater your perspective is going to be on whatever you're looking at. And that's going to allow for far greater creativity, um, critical thinking, like all of those things that are really important for creating something that is, you know, beautiful and, and um, you know, just solid. I think we're stronger together. I think if you can develop that empathy to learn from other people's differences, then, you know, you're going to be able to take your own journey so much further. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, being like a disabled person, 
it, it, it's what you focus on. There's definitely struggles. And I think there's definitely things that we need to campaign for greater accessibility, um, you know, greater representation, all of those things. But at the end of the day, my disability has taught me so much and has changed my approach to how I sort of or enhanced the way that I look at the world and, and the, the challenges that I face in my in my day to day life. So I think, um, yeah, there's there's just there's so much to learn. I think the more you can learn as a person, the, the stronger you are and, and the more likely to be successful you are as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And certainly on that empathy point, if I think it's um, and I mean, I'm definitely not speaking from experience, but I can only imagine, um, you know, if you were someone living with a disability or anything else you consider to be yeah. an, an impairment, it's very easy to define yourself by that thing. Mm. Um, but yeah. I think like you, exactly like you just said, it's such an opportunity to learn more about society and just bring a different voice to the table, yeah. which I think yeah. is so powerful. Um, what would you say to people who maybe would be in my position, right? And they potentially don't have friends or family members, but they do want to be um, understanding of the space they do want yeah. they want to advocate for inclusion they want to be involved somehow and I think if you haven't interacted in that space before it's not always the easiest thing to navigate yeah. with without yeah. being insensitive if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure for sure I mean um everyone's journey is different and I'm I'm still learning you know about um that space and, and the diversity that's included within that community and always trying to sort of I guess expand my knowledge and, and my understanding of that I think that's the awesome thing now with social media there's so much yeah. opportunity for queer people disabled people whatever it is to tell their own stories and to express their own truths so I think yeah. to be a good advocate you know the, the best thing you can do is to just uh, read as much as you can to listen to other people's stories and to let that inform your, you know, your view of that community. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, for with disability, for example, there's a lot in our mainstream media um, narratives that aren't exactly, I would say, helpful. You know, um, showing disabled people as, as victims or as disability is this huge uh, tragedy. But if you look at disabled people telling their own stories, there's often a different side to that. And it's the same thing with, um, you know. Uh, queer people in the queer community um you can you can have a very sort of two-dimensional view of that if you don't listen yeah. to the stories of the people in that community and I think it's just be about being open and being willing to sort of change your opinion on things too like I, like I said as I've delved deeper into those communities my opinions on things have changed yeah. um whether that's in relation to my disabled identity or my queer identity and I think we just need to be willing and open for that to happen. I think certain people get so invested in a particular line of thinking, they're mm. just not open to other things. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's that's the best thing you can do. I don't think anyone's expecting anyone to be an expert, you know, um, as long as they're willing to listen and to learn and to adapt. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't add anything to what you said. Like, I think definitely the advent of social media gives everybody the opportunity to become informed, to be open. But I think that openness um, is what lets you grow, especially with yeah. the um, the way society, I think, is opening up more and, and different stories and voices are becoming more prominent and just more a bread and butter conversation. So I yeah. think that's all uh, really good advice. Absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you a little bit. Obviously, you represent so much of what diversity um, you know, means in, in modern day society. And I think it's yeah. fantastic that I can speak to somebody like you on a podcast and share your message and, um, you know, just talk about these sorts of things. But I'm curious to know from, from your point of view, when, when I say the word balance, what mm. does that, what does that mean to you? And the reason I love asking this question is because every single person, it's such a individualized concept. And, yeah. and just to give you a little bit of, uh, back text, I guess, backstory as well. This is sort of why I started the podcast because I, I felt like society was always working towards this work-life balance metric, mm -hmm. right? And when you look at it, it really is not a good formula 
to squeeze everyone's balance into like you would know firsthand that work and life you probably go hand in hand because you just love what you do in so many aspects um and so I think the convergence of the two um you know is something we need to address and we need to steer away from aiming for striving for work-life balance so I always love throwing the question back to my guests and asking them what balance actually means to them yeah that's it's a big one (laughs) um I think it's really easy to yeah become super focused on on one area of your life or one part of your identity um again you know belonging to to queer and, and the disabled community I could focus solely on that and that could be you know what I I choose to put out into the world and and but I think there's so much more to a person and there's so much more you can have like in terms of experiences in life if you're just open to you know being everything and not sort of labeling yourself and locking yourself down into into boxes and especially like being an athlete it's easy to think about that constantly you know there's always things you can do to improve but for me as long as I'm sort of um, being true to who I am and, and sort of um, trying to live authentically it doesn't matter how much of what I'm doing you know yeah. um, uh, and I think it's also surrounding yourself with people that understand that as well. You know, I might not be going to every party that I get invited to because I've got training at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, but I can invest in that relationship in another way. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just sort of the, the most important thing I think is, is being true to who I am and to remember that you're not, your whole worth isn't tied up into one thing. You know, if I wasn't a parent, if I woke up tomorrow and I couldn't be a para-athlete, there's so much else for me to do. Um, yeah. And there's so much else for me to invest in. So, you know, I think it's more important to try things and, and to really give things your all to, than to worry about failure or what if that thing doesn't work out? Um, because again, you're going to learn, you're going to experience, you're going to meet new people, your horizons are just going to grow. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that answer because I personally also think that balance is not this static concept. So if if we take, you know, your response and say it means being true to who you are, because who you are, I guess fundamentally at the core, you're the same, but who you are and what you're interested in and what you're doing day to day, like that changes, that allows your balance to kind of change and grow with it. And like you said, mm. just be open and try new things and life ain't always breezy. There's going to be challenges and hurdles. And yeah. so it, it, I think it's important to just go with the flow when it comes to balance. Yeah. And like you said, just be true to yourself. But do you have yeah. um, any day-to-day, I guess, habits that you do to maintain, I guess, at least your baseline level of, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like Robin today. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes like it's just simple things. Like, you know, I have I wake up every morning and I have a routine of, of, of making coffee, whether that's, you know, doing pour over or, you know, with the espresso machine or whatever. But I think that time's just for me to enjoy that process and to just, you know, wake up without having to think about what I've got to do today, like what I've got to achieve. It's just be in the moment, enjoy that. And then I sort of go on to tackle, you know, what needs to be done for the day. I think that just sort of puts me in a really good place and it just starts the day off in something ritualistic and something that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we can get caught up in, you know, meditate five times a day and then journal and then do the, like as, um, steps to success, but it's really just about, um, again, being true to yourself and, and to just, um, not let one thing take over your life. Cause I don't think that's ever a good thing. If you're, if you're investing so much into one thing, because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, if you're an athlete, you could fall over and I could fall over and break both my arms you know and then that that whole part of my life is is is, um sidelined so um and then yeah just things like I I do believe now in in visualization and and, um, meditation is just a way to ground yourself and and um again to focus on what's what's really important and then setting aside time to to spend with the ones you love is always you know a positive thing 
Yeah, absolutely. And and all the answers you've given kind of are scattered across all our balance areas, which I um, really appreciate. But the reason I love the coffee ritual, um, and you're not, you're definitely not alone there. There are a lot of people that will start their day ritualistically like that. I think the coffee yeah. ritual is not only like, okay, this is a moment for me, this is something I enjoy, but it actually helps you be present. Like, I don't know about you, but definitely when I have that first sip of coffee, I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, I am <laughs> yeah. just so happy right now. I feel like I'm being hugged internally. And it's just yeah. that moment to be like I feel like that sip of coffee is like very present for me like I'm super present when I'm doing that Um, and I know you mentioned meditation that's something I definitely do as well was that was that I know you said the visualization I guess is more of a recent thing or you started using that as a tool when you were competing Um, along that tangent like meditation in general was that something you always did as well was that something that came in a bit later no, yeah, that came in a bit later. Like I said, I was sort of very, um, I guess, oppo- not opposed, but just hesitant to to really commit myself to all of that stuff. I kind of found it, I don't know, I guess a bit wishy-washy. Um, but I just... That until just you don't, right? <laughs> exactly, until you don't, until something clicks and you're like, wow, this is what everyone's going on about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm so grateful now that that's like, that's part of my routine because yeah, it really is an awesome way to just ground and to just... Um, to bring yourself back to the moment and what's important. Yeah, and and to be honest, I think a lot of people know and they hear about how, how powerful meditation can be, but just like you, they had that hesitation. So um, I think yeah. it's it's true and fair to say because I definitely experienced this at the start of my meditation journey as well. It, it feels like nothing's happening. You feel like, oh, yeah. what is the point? You want to stop, you want to give up. Did you have a similar experience? And if so, like how did you push through that or did you just you know, do it because you had to for training. Like, do you have any tips for anyone wanting to try meditation, but have that same, oh, it's a bit wishy-washy. I don't know if it's for me, but sounds cool kind of attitude. Yeah. I mean, again, I've really got to give credit to the the sports psychs that I worked with because they really um, pushed that and and (laughs) drilled it into me. Um, But I think, yeah, it's just the way that you do it as well is is not going to be the same for everyone. You know, not everyone's going to be able to you know give up 10 minutes to lie completely still and focus on their breath like that's just not going to work for everyone so whether that is you know going through a ritual um you know like making coffee in the morning or whether that's um you know trying to get into sort of a flow state with something that that you do and and letting that sort of take over just explore different avenues and, and there'll be something there'll be something that clicks for you yeah and that kind of um brings to the conversation like this thing called active meditation where it's like Mm. you could be doing something like a walk or a stretch like it doesn't always have to be a sit still which I like because there's different versions depending on and sometimes you just got a lot of energy and you just feel like you want to move but you're like oh but I'm supposed to meditate right now like that's a perfect (laughs) time to go for like an aimless walk or something like that (laughs) exactly yeah it's just just about switching off I guess to you know zoning out the distractions yeah switching off to the distractions and and getting back to yourself yeah Awesome. So if you had to leave one message in this world after, after your time on earth is up, if you had to leave one, one thing, one lesson you've learned, what would it be? I know that's a big question. So if you need a couple of minutes yeah. to think about it, no <laughs> pressure. Have a bit of a, a, a thing. No, um, again, I think it's just to meet as many different people as you can and to just listen to their story, um, to have a conversation and to try and be as open to all of that as you can be because again there's just so much to learn from that and whether you know it changes your opinion on a, on a big stance that you have in life or whether it just informs another little area of your life it doesn't really matter because the more the more voices you're listening to you know the more open you're going to be and the, the more open you're going to be to experience um you know like I've done things like where you know on a whim we've we've 
bought tickets to go to New York. I'm very privileged to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, done things like dance therapy and, and all these different kinds of things. Um, and I just think, wow, like my life is so much richer because of all of those spur of the moment decisions that I've made. So I don't think you have to lock yourself down to one long path or have this goal in mind of something you want to achieve. You can just be open. And, and that for me, that's the best thing you can be. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful because think about it as well, like your experience on earth is really just limited to what you think, do and see every single day. So if you have more conversations, yeah. that's just expanding your experience. And just yeah. like you said, saying yes to those opportunities really does create richer moments, you know, and that's yeah. where you grow. Yeah. And, and, you know, even if you, I mean, I, I did a similar thing. I tried dancing a couple of months ago, which I'm, by the way, full disclosure, absolutely <laughs> terrible at. Oh, same, my girlfriend. Same. <laughs> You know, but like my girlfriend is so good at it and she teaches and I just had so much fun just moving my body, even yeah. though it didn't look great. And and if you do something that you end up not liking, all you're going to yeah. lose or I guess risk is you learn that you don't like something. So there's kind of yeah. nothing to lose in, in yeah. opening yourself up. Exactly. I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was like, you don't have to be good at your hobbies. Like yes, you can just do things incredible. because you enjoy them. Yeah. And I, yeah. And once I sort of learned that, like I was just, yeah, Booked willing to try so houses. much more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's awesome. All right, Robin, well, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And if people listening or get uh, any listeners want to connect with you a little bit further, where's the best place they can do so and follow along your journey? Uh, the best place is probably Instagram. So it's just Robin Lambert on Instagram and you can connect through there. Awesome. Straight on the gram. Well, I'll definitely pop a link to it in the show notes below. Thank you again so much for your time, openness, honesty, and for being raw today on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you at maybe the next Paralympic Games or whatever, whatever the next few years have for you, maybe a dance concert or two, hey? <laughs> no, not a chance. Definitely Thanks not. so much. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.